Inquirers, and welcome to the expanse of deep, open-minded conversation. I'm the one they call Shane, and in today's discussion, let's take a trip into the realms of the mysterious and unknown. From international legends to personal near-death experiences, there is so much yet to be explained, and it takes someone like today's guest to start shedding a light into the abyss. But before we get into all that fun stuff today, we got some news and updates, and of course, the front-of-house stuff. For uh, anybody that hasn't checked out the Open Minds Media merch store and the Christmas design that I recently uploaded, highly recommend doing that before it gets pulled off of the store until possibly next year. Uh, there is a promotional code that is Squatchmas that will be usable until the end of December. So if you haven't already used that, it's for 10% off. Highly recommend taking advantage of that and picking yourself up something really cool from the Open Minds Media merch store. And uh, hopping into the front of house. If you aren't already checking me out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or Discord, highly recommend that you do. Uh, the one that I'm the most active on, of course, is Instagram, but definitely uh, recommend following all the way across social media. And I'm still trying to build the Discord. Had a lot of new members popping in there. So to all those new members that are also listeners, greatly appreciate you guys. Uh, we're starting to build that up. It's starting to get extensively interactive, which is exactly what I've been trying to do from the first place. And it's only going to keep getting better and better. So if you guys want to pop in and have some conversations with some like-minded individuals, highly recommend that you do so because the time is now, of course. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show or having me as a guest on your show or possibly sponsoring the sh show in some way, shape or form, definitely get a hold of me. You guys can do so through email, which is increase our reality podcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can hit me up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, whatever it is. Just find a way to get a hold of me, of course. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form. And of course, that goes directly to my email. And if anybody wants to report an encounter, no matter how big, no matter how small, whether it's paranormal, uh, cryptids, uh, aliens, UFOs, abductions, weird phenomenon, near-death experiences, anything like that. I want to be able to sit down. I want to have a conversation with you about it. Uh, so... You guys can uh, report those encounters to OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree, and there is a special submission form exclusively for that. And uh, we can have a little bit of back and forth, decide what you want to do with sharing your encounter. Either it can just stay with me if you don't want it to get out to anybody else, you want somebody to just talk about with it, or you could be featured on the show and I can read your experience on the show. Or if it's an extensive enough experience, you might even have the chance of being a guest on the show. But the only way that'll ever happen is if you guys share your encounters to OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. Had to drop it twice just to make sure that you guys get it, of course. And if you guys can't get enough of the stuff that I do, definitely go and check out Bizarre Encounters. That is my other show that I do with my awesome co-host, Oren Felix. And uh, we have a lot of fun over there, deep diving into cryptids, paranormal, UFO, aliens, folklore, all that fun stuff. 
And that one's a little bit different than this show. We do have some interviews in there in the mix, of course, but the majority of it is Orn and I deep diving into some fascinating topics. So if you guys want to see that side of the research that I do, definitely go and check out Bizarre Encounters. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything I do, don't forget to go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. Uh, I do have the YouTube, TikTok, and Discord all in the name of that. Puts both shows in one place, makes it a little bit easier for me, and makes it so that all you guys can interact, no matter which show that you guys listen to, of course. And if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so. Number one is to become a Patreon member. There are multiple tiers over there, and I now have a seven-day free trial for the $5 tier. And uh, over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, which is the raw video format, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive giveaways, and soon enough, there will be the ex Patreon exclusive show, Bizarre Inquiries, which will be what-if scenarios that Orn and I will dive into. It'll be a video format show. It'll be a lot of fun. And if you guys want to submit any questions for that for us to discuss, uh, you guys can definitely get a hold of me through the email or through social media because we would love to have a little database of questions that you guys would love for us to discuss on that show. And also with the Patreon, you don't just get inquiries of our reality, you also get Bizarre Encounters. So it's a little bit more bang for your buck. You get not just one show, but of course, two shows and soon to be three shows. So, and uh, beyond that, if you guys want to donate to the show directly to make it so I can get out to more events, be able to meet more of you guys, you guys can donate directly through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Uh, trying to build it up so eventually I can do this full time. I can keep writing books for you guys. I can keep dropping uh, episodes for you guys. I can get more into video content. I can go out and do some investigations more often. But the only way that I'll ever get to that point is with your guys' help. So if you guys want to promote somebody's dream, don't forget to support the show in some way, shape, or form uh, because I put my heart and soul into this show and hopefully you guys enjoy it just as much as I enjoy doing it. But, you know, that's that's the dream, of course, is that one day you want to be able to do your passions full-time. But again, the only way I'm ever going to get there is with your guys' help. And if you guys just listen and support the show, I appreciate you all the same. I'm just glad that you guys are out there listening because you guys are making it so that this dream can come true. And uh, beyond that, if you guys want to go and pick up some OMM merchandise, you guys can go to the OMM merch store. And over there, you'll get Bizarre Encounters, Increase All Reality, and some of my other cryptid designs that I'm starting to expand over there. Like I said, such as the uh, Mary Squatchmas design that I was working on. And if you guys are on the Patreon, like I said, you get exclusive merch store discounts. But if you don't want to do that quite yet, at least go and use the code Squatchmas. I'm going to drop that another time so you guys can use it before the end of the year because I want to make sure that you guys are able to pick up something nice for yourself at a discounted rate, of course. And uh, the fourth way you guys can support the show is through leaving reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcatcher that you use. And of course, if you guys leave a five-star review, I will read on the show, give you guys a big shout out. And you guys can also share the show with friends if you think anybody would really, really enjoy the show. And if you guys do that, greatly, greatly appreciate it. But like I said, if you guys don't want to do any of that, I'm just glad you guys are out there enjoying the show. And uh, if you guys aren't doing one of those things, at least shoot me a message. Let me know that you guys enjoyed the show because I love hearing from you guys. That's my absolute favorite. So, you know, just shoot me a message. Say that you enjoyed a specific episode, any of that. Any kind of interaction with you guys uh, means the world to me. So, and uh, going into some of my other friends, of course, that I want to support in the community. I recently got hooked up with I Know Squatch. That's uh, Rick and Hans. They have some awesome, awesome Sasquatch merchandise. I wear it pretty much every single day, the hats at least, the whoop hats, and they sent me some awesome t-shirts recently. So if you guys want to go and pick up yourselves some Squatch gear, highly recommend going and checking out I Know Squatch. Uh, they are on Etsy, they're on Instagram, all of that. And of course, the links are down in the show description. 
And uh, beyond that, don't forget to go and check out Joe over there at Crypto Theology. He's been supporting the show since the beginning. So, of course, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to support everything that he's doing because beyond Sasquatch, he does all the best of every other cryptid you could possibly imagine. He's got an extensive library of t-shirts now. He's been building it up over the last two going on, I think, three years now. So if you guys haven't scooped something from Crypto Theology, highly recommend that you do because half my closet is I Know Squatch and the other half is Crypto Theology, of course. And uh, to all my paranormal investigators out there, don't forget to get yourself a Chattergeist that is made by Dimension Devices and Barry over there is the one that programs it. So if you guys have any questions about it whatsoever, you guys can go hit him up on Instagram. And if you guys want to listen to an episode talking about the Chattergeist before you pick it up, uh, you guys can go back few episodes in the feed, you'll find it. It's a uh, buried dimension devices, of course. And uh, I use it on every single paranormal investigation that I go on. It's an all-in-one device. It's absolutely fantastic. And I don't think that there's a better device out there on the market. So I highly recommend picking one up for yourself. And I know up until January 1st, they're doing a 15% off of that device, of course, on their website. But don't forget to use the affiliate link because that greatly, greatly, greatly helps out the show. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show for the second time, cryptozoologist George Lunsford. How's it going today, man? Ah, going great, going great. Absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. I know that your titles have extended a lot since last time we talked, and you have a lot of new stuff going on. So I know there's going to be a lot of really interesting stuff we can talk get into today. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoy it. Well, I'm, not, I'm not the one that's got new titles. You've got new titles since last time we've talked, too. Hey, that's half the battle, man. You just got to keep expanding your titles. I got investigator now, researcher, podcaster, and next time we talk, there may even be another one, man. <laughs> Same with you. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> I joined up a group. I joined a Bigfoot 911 out of Marion, and I'm now a researcher and investigator for them, along with Go Dark Paranormal, and uh, we also do UF ufology. So. <laughs> If it's out there, we're going to chase it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> you got all three of the main bases covered. You got the paranormal, you got the cryptids, you got the UFOs. It, the only thing you might need to pop into now is folklore, which I think you cover in your book. So honestly, you got all of them covered. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, up for it all. I guess a good place to get started, because I know that the first time I had you on, your second book hasn't dropped yet, and now it's actually come out now. So if you want, probably a good spot to start, and then we can get into all the nitty-gritty of the fun investigating stuff. Let everybody know about your books and uh, all the research you've been working on. All right, that's cool. Uh, my new book is called Monsters of the World Reference Guide. And honestly, I did this because I did this book because uh, I have a lot of podcaster friends. And it gives them a good reference guide to uh, study up about all these different creatures from around the world. Yeah, I'll show you a couple of it. And uh, it's, a it's a reference guide. So monsters are laid out by the continent they're in. So there's 104 of them from all over the world. And I, ha I was lucky enough and honored enough to have 26 people send me their encounters. And that's in my book. And Bobo was one of them. Oh, Bobo from Fighting uh, Bigfoot. Yep. <laughs> so he, he was generous enough to put one in there. 
Hey, a good spot to get started because I'd love to dive into some of the different stories as far as creatures and cryptids around the world, but we're not a perfect spot to start. Let's start with his story. Well, his story was basically he was at home. He uh, heard a noise. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I remember he opened the door and his little dog hot dog ran out and the Sasquatch grabbed it and was holding his dog with one hand. In like an aggressive way, like what? What? what, what yeah. Trying to run out, growling and barking at it. Oh, so it's probably just doing the okay, be quiet, so nobody finds me. <laughs> I, I really, I can't remember the way this whole story goes. There's so many other ones that are just amazing. I have some incredible stories in here that people have sent me, but I should have, I should have prepared for this better. Uh, there it is see here what he says he was 26 years ago on in 1997 was on the couch uh, letting his dog letting his dog uh, hot dog and ham ham bone ham dog outside to go to the bathroom uh brought him to the porch he saw a huge squatch holding ham dog ham ham dog he has some weird names for his dog. <laughs> He's a great guy, but he has some weird names for his dogs. In his mouth. <laughs> so he had a dog in his mouth. And he has these, they're, they're hot dog dogs. That's what I was about to say. I assume that they're probably some little, little, yeah. little, uh, little yipper dogs. He immediately ran inside the house and locked the door. So apparently the Squatch ate his dog. <laughs> Just leaving the dog behind. But I guess, what are you going to do against the Sasquatch? Do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's done at that point. <laughs> but that's pretty much his, his whole story. I'll, you have to read it through the book. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some really cool ones in there. Um, Rosanna. Uh, she used to be with a big a, a paranormal Sasquatch group down in Florida. Now she's in North Georgia. And she started her own group there. And she has a killer story in there. And there's a bunch of really good ones. Uh, do you know Lee Poe? The name sounds familiar. His wife has a story in here where she encountered a flying creature. Like a like a humanoid, like a Mothman type thing, or like a different yeah, type of flying creature? Like that. And it, oh, there's some just incredible stories in there. But the monsters are what's the fun part. Because everything in there between creatures underwater to trees that eat people to gins to giants to dwarfs to leprechauns everything in the world's in this book it's so much fun it was so much fun to write what were uh, some of your favorite creatures that you covered in that book that's always always a fun one to do maybe some of the more like obscure stuff that people may not necessarily know anything about well i have to say i love the tree that eats people it sounds south america and without giving a whole lot of detail about it, basically the natives know about it and people who don't know about it get too close to the tree and the tree grabs them, pulls them in and basically drains them and leaves a husk. That sounds like a, almost like a Venus flytrap for like people, but not a Venus flytrap. It's a tree. Cause I hear people talking about those moving tree stories and I'm assuming it's probably along the same lines, right? And this thing has tentacles that reach out, grabs them. Wraps them up and pulls them in. Does it have um, 
So, so they look like vines, I assume, then, right? So they probably yeah. are pretty, like, hidden, and it's almost like a snare trap that these vines will be on the ground. Somebody will walk past it, and then they'll wrap up and pull them in, almost like uh, like Jumanji, almost, right? Yeah. That's the way I imagine it. I mean, the way it was described in the stories and stuff, yeah. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, do you got any other uh, cryptid plants in there? Because I don't hear too many of those stories, and I always love that kind of stuff. Plants. Uh, not a lot of plants. Uh, just a few. Just that one and... Uh, Mm, I think there's a couple other ones that I don't remember. There's so many I can't keep track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said there's a hundred and some out in there. So, <laughs> hundred four, hundred and four. Uh, so it's like uh, I can't keep all of them straight in my head. I mean, there's some really cool ones in there. I got the Mongolian death worm in there. I've got dragons. Dragons are actually have been reported as far back as Marco Polo. He reported dragons in his writings. When he traveled to China. Say, so, yeah, I assume that there has to be something to dragons, considering that's one of those things almost like Sasquatch, that it's not just in one culture. It's in every culture. They all have a lot of the same common features. So it's like, even if they don't exist, exist now, if they, even if they went extinct or something, or if they're hidden, they're hiding somewhere, they're in caves, like whatever. Like there has to be some speck of truth to that no matter what, because otherwise there wouldn't be a way that it would be across every culture, even before cultures are really like, intercommunicating with each other and really like traveling like that. Oh yeah. And they're mentioned uh, all over Europe. There are stories of dragons all the way through Europe, China, uh, edge of Russia. There are stories of dragons and, and they're, they're a little slightly different in variations of what they look like, but that could just be with, you know, the areas of stuff where they come from. Same with Sasquatch or Bigfoot. There are so many variations of that. And they're in every country and every, every continent. So, you know, there's, they go everything from ones that stay around six foot to the ones that get to, in America that gets up to 12 foot. Say, so, assumably they kind of just, uh, it, it's kind of like races in a way that things adapt yeah. into the environment that they live in. So, yeah. you know, of course there's going to be slight little differences, but realistically they're all the same. It's just a slight different appearance. Almost like people are like races would be same with like Sasquatch, Bigfoot, oh, yeah, um, yeah. any of these weird cryptid creatures, flying humanoids. Even the stories of little people, they go from all over the world. There's there's stories of little people in almost every continent. You got the leprechauns, you got the, uh, Pugwajis, you got the little people in the Indian lore that were kind of like little elementals. You got the Menahuni down in Hawaii too. Yeah, Menahuni's in the in there. Uh, there's just there's tons of all these. Well, they just found a real life uh, hobbit sized creature. They found the bones of stuff in New Zealand. I haven't heard about that one yet. How long ago was yeah, that? I, I actually put it on my Facebook. Oh, I'll have to uh, check it into that. It. But there's they're finding them they're finding all this stuff now that that it's so weird that you know the, the whole world well they always talk about well we never traveled here before we never travel but when you go to looking at all the stuff that how it correlates and laps over the world's not that big a place <laughs> and I think there's a lot more going on than what was ever recorded because even when Marco Polo and all that other stuff when he did all his stories. There was so much that correlated back to his original starting point. You know, it's just, it's just, it's amazing. It really is. 
Wasn't he the person that wrote about uh, that tribe of people that didn't have heads and like their face was like on their torso? Wasn't that Marco Polo? There's a few different uh, explorers that wrote about that group of people. It may have been. I don't. Rem- I don't. I don't remember. I read his. I read some of his writings, but like I said, I've I've studied so much of this stuff. It all runs together, and I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Memory only holds up so much. You can only learn so much in a day that you actually retain. <laughs> well, not, like I said, it's all getting gray now. So you know, and I have nothing up here. So. <laughs> There's nothing here to hold it in. It all seeps out. <laughs> let's all let's all the all the knowledge out. Your your hair actually retains all the knowledge. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. You know. But I mean, it's there's there's so many fun things out there to find out about. Once you open yourself up, to having a more open mind about the what the is actually out in the world, it's amazing what you see and what you what you read about. Like that creature. There's a creature down in um, uh, Antarctica. That's one on the bottom, right? Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> North Pole, South Pole, they're both pretty close to the same. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cold. So. But Antarctica, there's not a lot of stories about it because nobody's ever done there. But there was one story, especially, that stuck out my head. <coughs> Excuse me. They found, the Russian scientists found a lake under a glacier. And they were exploring this lake and getting information. They found a monster down there that had 21 tentacles and could launch a toxin out 100 yards and mobilize its prey to it could eat it. Well, just the other day, they found a weird-looking octopus-type creature down in Antarctica. The scientists found it outside. Out, I think they found a, a freshwater lake just outside uh, one of the research areas that fit the description of what the Russians found that everybody said, Oh, it's a hoax. It wasn't a hoax. <laughs> Everybody wants to think that the Krakens were the giant squids that were rec- that were starting to discover, but maybe it wasn't that, that at all in the first place. Maybe it was a totally different creature and it got yeah. somehow locked within like an icy area after a certain period in time. Like who knows, man? Well, I read, when when I do these when I when I do this uh, research on these creatures and stuff, I read everything I can find about it. A lot of it's, for lack of a better word, bull. It's just you know people's thoughts about these things. But when I was reading that one, I actually read one of the papers that was translated over from Russia to to English from one of the scientists and. When the government, when the Russian government stepped in, that's when everything become a hoax. Trying to cover it up because they, yeah. they, until they figure out what it is, they don't want to create they mass lost. hysteria over something like that. Yeah, and they lost like three or four people. I mean, I think we've gotten to the point now where if anybody reports any type of strange creature, the average person just assumes it's a hoax at this point. So it's like yeah. you could be like, hey, we physically have a Sasquatch right in front of us and they can drop the body on like the Senate floor and people be like, Oh, it's a hoax. What are you talking about? That's not a Sasquatch. It's a prop. Somebody made it. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> What's the same way as UFOs? Everybody's going, they're not real. The government come out. They're real. I said, Oh, everything's real now. Then you have the opposite side. That's like, Oh, everything the government has is fake. And I mean, definitely possible you talk about the whole idea of like controlling the narrative i definitely think there's extraterrestrials out there but there has to be some intention of the government releasing it it's not just like here you go here's everything maybe it's a matter of like the giants that they want 
the average citizens to do the research and the reports so that they can take it all in. And once they get enough information, they're going to go, we don't know what you're talking about. None of this ever existed. No, 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 I don't know right, what you mean. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> you are exactly right. <laughs> why, I still can't figure out why in the world they want to deny giants. We got giants now. A definition of a giant is a human being over seven feet tall. We got half the NBA or giants. <laughs> I just did a full episode on <clears throat> the giant of Kandahar and giants oh, yeah. in Afghanistan from like military perspective. And it's like, there's, there's a lot of these stories and not only that, but there's soldiers that are reporting this. And most of the time they're looking through thermo. So it's not like they're just mm -hmm. guessing the height, like somebody having a Sasquatch encounter. Like they physically have like a meter on the side that says that this thing is three meters tall. Like right. th there's no denying it. And if it's coming from military personnel, it's like, they're not just making this stuff up like that. I mean, it's definitely possible, but there's too many reports that all happen in the same area that there has to be something to it. It's not just everybody decided one day they're going to team up and just, Oh, we're just going to create giant stories. And I talked about this on the episode too. Cause I had uh, Nick from tills from the grid square on at one point, And he said a lot of the time, it's not even a military cover up when it comes to somebody finding a, a giant or a Sasquatch or anything like that. It's a matter of they're in the military. They're on a specific mission. If they are in the middle of a war zone and they're supposed to be watching this group of like the Taliban, for example, they're not going to stop and go, Oh, a giant and go off and do that. It's just a matter of like, they're focused on one thing they don't yep. want to do the additional paperwork on that. So half the time, all these weird encounters that the military has, it's not some giant cover-up. It's just a matter of like, all right, we're focused on one thing. We're not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> or like when I was in, it's like, okay, yeah, we didn't say that. It don't matter. Don't, don't write that down. Because back when I was in, if you sent a UFO, you know, that was something weird and unusual back in the 80s. You know, you didn't even talk about stuff like that. They'd, they'd cart you off a little aluminum hat on and everything else. So, <laughs> but they'll give you a lobotomy in the back if you start talking too much about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Come with me. We want to talk to you. No. Let no, me just I put this needle in your nose and tap it with a hammer a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit to the side. There you go. <laughs> then he comes back. He's like, ah, <laughs> I don't see aliens everywhere. <laughs> What did you see? I didn't see nothing. <laughs> I didn't see nothing. They could be walking beside me. I didn't see nothing. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I know that um, we're a little bit before the show. We're talking about the different stuff that you research into. And I know that I haven't actually had an opportunity to talk about this on the show yet. But I want to get into the suicide force a little bit and some of the stuff that you've dug into as far as that goes. And for anybody that may not be familiar with what that is, if you want to kind of lay down the groundwork, that'd be awesome too. Well, the Japanese suicide force goes back to really almost ancient Japan because it all started with monks that considered that forest as a uh, spiritual ground. And they would commit ritual suicides on in that forest. And that's where it all started at was with the monks. And after that, it's kind of grown to lots and lots and lots of suicides. And there's even talks like you, like you mentioned earlier, there's talks of uh, really odd and oversized creatures and unusual creatures in there. All the yokai. Yeah. 
I always remember that because it's a fun word to say. <laughs> but, I mean, who's to say that it's not real? I mean, people have been committing suicide in there for years and years and years. And I watched a special on that on the suicide forest that they talked about. You don't get off the trail because if you get off the trail, the way it's real dark inside there because of the canopy is so thick and there's a haze always on the ground that uh, it's easy to get lost and you could get lost and be gone and nobody will ever find you in that place. I mean, it's regular that people venture off the path and they end up finding uh, bodies and stuff. Like there was a, <clears throat> that one dude, um, what it's one of the Pauls or whatever his name was that actually recorded one and put it on the internet. And that blew up about just because it's disrespectful, of course, to the family and everything like that. Okay. But like, that's a common practice that people find there. And that's like a crazy concept to like understand coming from like the American perspective, but you know, yeah. keeping in mind Japanese culture, the way that works is that if you disgrace your family, the best thing to do is to commit suicide. And the idea behind that is that it like shows your strength and like endurance that you're able to commit that and do that to yourself. And obviously Americans have a totally different perspective on that whole concept, but in Japanese culture, like it's perceived as a totally different thing. That's almost kind of hard to wrap your head around being an American. Yeah. But the thing is that place, they, uh, everything I've read about, and every, I actually watched, uh, they took a video through, I th- I'm trying to if it was Josh Gates or who did it, but, uh, there's just a depressing place. It just like, it sucks all of the happiness out of your body when you walk into the place almost but, because it is such a dreary overcast dark place and just it just reeks of evil i wonder if they like bless the path or something like that to make it so that these like dark spirits can't like follow you on the path because if not i feel like almost every person that goes there there probably has to be something that attempts to attach itself to that person like there's just so much dark heaviness to that place that if there is any place on this entire planet that is haunted it has to be that for specifically Oh, yeah. I mean, there's tons and tons of reports of people seeing aberrations, hearing voices, being touched, being hit. Uh, I mean, there's seeing visions. I mean, there's some wild stuff goes on in that place. I'd love to go. That's what I, if I was going to go anywhere in Japan, as messed up as it sounds, everybody's all about, let's go to Tokyo. Let's see all the weird robotic contraptions, all these weird hotels and stuff. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go adventuring in the, in the, in the black suicide forest. It doesn't have a different name there. Don't they call it like the black forest or something? But yeah, let's go adventure there. (laughs) (laughs) They have some weird stuff. Oh, you know, I'd love to go though. I really would just to see it. Just like I say, I've been there. Have you just out of curiosity, um, do do you ha- know like a, like kind of a description of some of the creatures that have been reported there offhand that you maybe you wrote about in your book? Well, there there was one uh, I don't think I wrote I didn't write about the suicide forest in this one. This is just creatures in this one. Uh, I was reading about it, so I thought about doing a uh, worldwide legends of myths, monsters, and ghosts, and I still may do it. I don't know yet, but uh, I heard tell of uh, shape shifting demons. With that would shape from a, like a little girl into a eight foot tall demon with horns and claws and everything. I heard tell of, I think you mentioned the one about the giant spiders. Yeah. With the human heads. Uh, yep. I've heard of, uh, zombies. 
being in there and just they just come out of nowhere. And it's the deeper into the forest they start getting into more of the the bear. There's a supposed to be a, a bear like creature in there that's in a very far back part of that forest where nobody's allowed to get go to. And it's supposed to be eats people. <laughs> Say that talk about just in general in that forest, like all the different creatures that could exist just in the dark depths of that thing. And just Japan in general, when it comes to the paranormal, they just have the freakiest, weirdest creatures. Like Japanese horror is like a whole other level of horror. And I feel like a lot of horror is based in folklore of the area. So that gives anybody an idea of like what these people could have been encountering in that forest. Just go look at Japanese horror and just know that the ideas probably came from somewhere. And I mean, just a little Japanese girl in a white dress to me is a lot more horrifying than a little like American girl in a white dress. Just their basic apparitions are just a thousand times more terrifying. And they all have like the, you get the depictions where they have like the, like the cut up mouth with like the spiky teeth on the side, then like the normal teeth in the front. Like they're just, it's so, so weird and creepy over there. Like, I don't know, man, there's just something to it. They did drop two nuclear bombs up there, so that's got to be some kind of fallout from that. <laughs> it starts not just messing up the creatures in the area, but it starts messing up the uh, <laughs> the apparitions and the other things. Like that bear thing that's in that forest could easily be some type of creature caused from like the nuclear blast and radiation or something. <laughs> like a second version of Chernobyl, and they just took off to the suicide forest because where else are they going to go? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I- you could be right. I don't know. I I ain't gonna chance that one. Uh. Japanese government doesn't release it, but they took half the soil from Fukushima and just threw it in the back of that forest. And they were like, "All right, <laughs> it'll be fine back here because nobody's allowed back here, anyways." <laughs> the giant ants and stuff start coming out. <laughs> That's where the human spider head creature actually came from. It wasn't from Japanese folklore. I mean, it existed in Japanese folklore. They went extinct, but what brought it back was Fukushima. So blame the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's messed up. <laughs> you go have us getting uh, men in black, Japanese men in black will be showing up at our house now. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds like it'd be way more horrifying than the regular men in black, too. <laughs> oh. They'd be like overly proper and they would just like bow continuously. Like, just it, it just they'd be so proper to the point where it'd be turned into Uncanny Valley and be even more creepy than the normal men in black Uncanny Valley. I think you're probably right. <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. Yeah, you ain't right. <laughs> and uh, while we're on the on the tune of investigating, of course, ah. you said that you've been doing a lot of investigating, so I would love to hear about some of these experiences you've had. I know that you said you haven't had that Sasquatch experience yet, but maybe next time you come on the show, you'll have a Sasquatch experience. But as far as paranormal, UFO, all that stuff, let's get the ball rolling. Let's get going into some of your investigation work, man. Well, I haven't done a lot of investigating with the groups yet. So I just joined up with them. I really got, we went on one ghost hunt and I think I kind of made the guy that we went to do the ghost hunting for. I may have made him a little bit mad because I kind of shot down everything that he was having issues with. Uh, I was able to show that the reason stuff was moving was because of vibration from big trucks on the road. Uh, got no kind of EM, uh, the ghost box, we got no kind of information back from it. We, I did all kinds of, uh, we did, uh, 
what do you call it? Um, the thermals and stuff. We didn't get nothing with it. Uh, we did the EMP sessions, no responses. But I found everything that the guy found that he was considering to be paranormal was all very explainable. It was easy to explain, and I think I made him mad. Well, I mean, it's good to have the healthy skeptic, though, because at least for me, I would rather take out all the real-world factors and not have false positives than to just run off of something and say instantly it's that. Because if you keep running off of that, you're going to end up with ghost adventures where everything that they have is a false positive. <laughs> right. And I, I'm, I'm weird because... I've had issues with ghosts and I, I know about ghosts cause I've been around a bunch of them, unfortunately. And I guess as far as I had a problem with them, but when I go into a place when there's, there's reports and these people are, have us come in, we always look at the electromagnetic in the building because it could just be, you know, bad wiring in the house. It could be not properly ground. That's why you're getting your skin crawling and it feels like a little electricity on your skin, the hair standing up. Uh, vibrations could be nothing more than where the house is setting. You know, you could be getting uh, the shakes and stuff from cars going by. Or if you're on a big, like up here in the mountains, people get, they get their houses and they, they dig the foundations or thing. They set the house in and they wonder why things are kind of weird. Well, they're sitting on a big, large piece of granite. So every time the, the earth decides to move something, their house gets a little shaken. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Some really light seismic activity, not anything to be yeah. like a serious earthquake, but enough that you're like glass shakes. And then everybody's like, Oh no. when it's easily yeah. explainable. <laughs> and this stuff like that, I've, I've able to disprove some, a lot of stuff. And I always look for the regular stuff first. I don't want people to believe that everything that they see is everything they hear. And all that's ghost. Cause it's not. Probably That's how you get to the root of the real research is by being a healthy skeptic. You can't just say, yeah. think that everything is something. If you can't explain it by normal means, then of course, then it might be something weird and paranormal. But if you're going to take any little slight thing and instantly go, whoa, it's paranormal, then you're not really doing any real research. You're not helping nobody. No, you're not. No. I mean, you, you got you, you to gotta put your brain to work. And, uh, and like I said, I... After the little shot with death and then dealing with the ghosts and stuff after that, I really kind of got a better feeling of what to look for because back, it hadn't happened in a long time, but back when I was dealing with all that stuff, you always had a certain feeling when the ghost was around. You always had, you know, certain things when they're around, you know, you just, you just feel it deep inside of you, but when they're not there and you don't feel it, it most likely ain't a ghost. I don't know if you talked about that story last time you were on the show, but it's been a while. So, I mean, if you're willing to share the story, I'm sure people would definitely be interested in hearing about your brush with death and experiencing this type of stuff. I, I always love the near-death experiences. They're always <laughs> absolutely fascinating. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, I was in my 20s, early 20s, somewhere in that area. I uh, got pneumonia. I hate going to the doctor. So I wouldn't go, wouldn't go. And if things got real bad, I went, finally went to the doctor and she said, I had a PA. Now I know there's probably some good PAs out there and I don't mean to insult you or make you mad, but I don't really care for PAs because I went, she goes, you got bronchitis. And three days later, I was laying in the hospital with half, both my lungs filled with fluid because I had pneumonia. <laughs> That's rough. I had a, 
104 fever for two or three days. And I got to the point where I was so lethargic. I couldn't even pick my hands up. I couldn't pick my head up. Nothing. I was just a big George blob laying on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, they finally forced me to go to the hospital and went and they started pumping all this stuff into me and doing all the, you know, the stuff they do in the hospital. Well, it was about two or three o'clock in the morning and I woke up and everything was great. I could breathe. Everything was just comfortable and it wasn't never too hot, too cold. And I was laying there, looked up and the clock wasn't moving. The second hand wasn't moving or anything. It was like it was frozen. And I felt something where I looked beside me and there's a little old woman standing beside my bed. And it was kind of just weird. It wasn't really bad or anything. Did she seem like ominous or did she seem like she was like actually like there, like a person standing there? Uh, normal, nothing unusual. It just felt kind of weird. It felt off center, but that's all I could really say. That's, it was no other. It was everything about the whole incident was very comfortable, very relaxing and probably the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Seems to be a common factor when it comes to these experiences like that, that everybody says it's just like you're at peace when this is happening. Oh, yeah, completely. You don't have any anxiety at all. So I sat up and started talking to her, and I jumped out of the bed and looked back, and my body was still in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's weird. And uh, <laughs> and I was talking to her, and I looked in the corner of the room because I felt something over there. And it was basically a shadow that looked exactly like an angel had the wings and you know you really couldn't see what they were wearing or what they looked like except for the eyes had the bluest most incredible blue eyes you've ever seen and i still see them every now and then in my in my head but the eyes were just it was a very calming blue to his eyes and he never said a word he just stood there and then people started walking through the walls of my room into my room. I was talking to each one of them as they come in, like I'd known them forever <laughs> and they introduced themselves, and we talked and, you know, what? No, it was just really a, a, a great thing. It really was. And then angel raised his hand up and this little bitty pin prick of light popped up and all of a sudden it went poof. And the whole wall was nothing but light. It wasn't a shining light, but it was a, it was an inviting light. It didn't really, it didn't hurt your eyes to look at it. And uh, each one of the people told me, started telling me bye, and they walked into the light. Well, it was just me and the little lady there, and I thought, well, I guess it's bye time. So I went to go, and she grabbed me by the arm. She said, no, it's not your turn, honey. It's okay. You need to lay back down in the bed and uh, relax. I'm like, okay. So whenever I laid back down in the bed, and she walked over to the light, and she she waved at me and told me bye. She stepped in. The light disappeared. The angel disappeared. Everything. And I laid back down in bed, and all of a sudden, people come bursting in my room. <laughs> and they're they're kind of freaking out. And I look, and the clock is moving. And uh, I asked one of the nurses, I said, what are you doing? And she just stops and looks at me. And they all kind of look at me and they start taking my pulse and all that stuff. And everybody leaves except for the head nurse. And, uh, I asked her, I said, I asked her the old lady's name. I said, who is so-and-so? And, uh, she just went 
completely pale. All the, all the color left her face and she just stood there for a second. And she said, well, she died in this room before you got here. And I said, I started naming off all these people that I'd talked to and she didn't know what to think. She just, she just, she just kind of went blank and she said, all, every one of those people has died here. And recently in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of those ultra unexplainable things that, again, is super duper common when it comes to people having these near-death experiences. They'll start listing people that recently passed away in the area, and it's like, it's undeniable at that point, especially to that person that you're confirming it with of like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Uh, like, I'm sure people in hospitals have a lot of these experiences, and a lot of them probably don't share them, but I feel like this is a common thing that happens in hospitals. And that's probably why so many people that work in hospitals do have faith in something on the other side is because of how often this happens and they connect these dots between things. Oh yeah. And it, it is the most incredible experience I've ever had in my life. It's one I'll never forget. And this happened when I was in the twenties. I'm 56 now. I'll be 57 here in a couple of months. And it's, I can still remember the especially the blue eyes of the angel. Now, some of the details are a little fuzzy every now and then, but <laughs> the main part of the story is, is always just as clear as a bell and the, the way the angel looked and the, his eyes were that, that blue, I can still close my eyes and see them every now and then when I go to bed. Did the angel, the angel didn't say anything at all. He just kind of stood there and just opened the doorway pretty much. Yeah. Did you, uh, were you able to like see anything past there or was it just, just light? Did you see like I any see past it because it, the way the light was, it was just like a wall of light. So there was nothing you couldn't see past it and you couldn't see And I said it wasn't reflective, which was weird because the entire wall was light, but the, it didn't change the light perspective in the room. I mean, there was no extra shadows or nothing. Matter of fact, there wasn't any shadows at all. Now that I remember, right? I mean, assumably too, if you were some type of like consciousness being or soul, you know, that that's like existing in another, another reality in a way, like almost like stepping between two worlds. So I don't think that there's necessarily like anything physical that would create a shadow, you know? Yeah. And I think the fact that that's why, I, that's when I was able to start seeing the ghosts and stuff was after that happened. I think that that gave me the ability for a, for a period of time to see beyond that normal veil that we have that separates us from the spirit world and our world. I mean, there's according to Einstein and several other incredibly smart people, we have a infinite amount of dimensions out there and worlds. So, you know, everything's only separated by frequencies. I mean, even if you start digging into like the book of Enoch, looking at it from like a biblical perspective, that talks about other dimensions, essentially. That's, I think, part of the reason why it's removed from so many Bibles and it was never removed from the Ethiopian Bible. Uh, but yeah, it literally gets into that like dimensional concept that I don't think it's necessarily that there's like, you know, heavens above and hells below, but rather that there are other dimensions that might be vibrationally higher and vibrationally lower. And that's kind of where that higher and lower concept comes from. But I don't think it's physically higher or lower. It's just existing in another space. That's a higher or lower vibration. And being humans, we only are able to, we're only able to function and see in a very tiny 
section of the of frequencies or hear anything. We're, we're, we're so limited. It's not funny because we haven't evolved enough up to stretch into some of the other, for other, uh, dimensions. Now I think there are probably our creatures out there that do. I mean, dogs have much better vision than we do. They have much better smell than we do. They say the mantis shrimp can see like a ridiculous amount of colors that we can't even see. Cause I, I know the light spectrum, we can only see 7% of it. I don't know what our like auditory spectrum is as far as what we can hear, but like the mantis shrimp is supposed to be able to see more colors and everything than anything else on the planet. It has like the most developed eyes. So like who knows what that thing could potentially see. And if we somehow created a filter of that thing's eyes, who knows what we could potentially be capable of seeing. That's true. You're exactly right. I, I agree a hundred percent. It's kind of like that whole psychedelic experience concept that people claim to see colors that don't even exist. And it's like, how do you describe a color that doesn't exist? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing to think about, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it's amazing. You wouldn't believe we're as limited as what we really are. Because you, you think we got a really good grasp on how good things are. We don't have a clue. <laughs> I mean, look it's at like, science 100 years ago versus now. They had a totally different understanding of the world around us. And who knows where it could be in another 100 or 200 years. We could be looking at our science now like it's absolutely primitive and makes no sense now that we have a farther understanding of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. I love it. I really do. But the weird thing about what was is... I was never, I have never been afraid of the ghost. None of them has ever done anything bad to me. Now we've seen some shadow people that I wasn't real enthused about. Didn't like them at all. They give me the creeps and give me, you know, I had my hair on the back of your neck and stuff stand up. But as far as ghosts themselves, I've had lots of experience with them. And I mean, I would drive down it back when this first happened, I would drive down the road and people would show up in my car beside <laughs> me. It had an accident in that area. I would drive by graveyards and people, it was, you know, most times the spirits don't stay in the graveyards, but sometimes they do. I had one, I've told this before, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it again. I had to cross between two graveyards on my way home. And there used to be one grave down there, had an old black man, and I would drive by and he would laugh and flip me off. <laughs> and this happened for you know, several years, two or three years. And I finally stopped one day. I walked down to the grave because I wanted to know who was flipping me off and why he's flipping me off. I didn't have a clue. He's sitting there thinking nobody can see him. And so he's just flicking off any car that drives by. <laughs> yeah, he just, he was a trip. I went down there and I, I got, I found the grave and I read the name and I talked to the grave. I talked to the grave for a little bit. And I, you know, I told him, you know, I, I have nothing against you. Why are you flipping me off? And I heard a whisper. I couldn't understand it. So I just kind of blew it off and went and got the car and left. And from then on, he didn't flip me off anymore. He just laughed at me. He's like, oh, no, this guy can see me. I can't flick him off anymore. He might actually be able to help me. <laughs> <laughs> but he would, he, he would laugh at me, and you could, I could see him, and I could see a few other ones that were wandering through because a lot of times the, the, the spirits of, in the graveyard stuff, they wander through. They don't actually stay in the graveyard. And... uh they would wander through and wander through my car as I'm driving down the road and all kinds of weird stuff would go on. And we had one, my wife actually seen, we were sitting here and we've been having some weird things happen here at the house. Nothing, nothing bad. Just things move and the things not being where you put them. And 
hear, you know, you catch something out of the corner of your eye and you think somebody's there and they're not. Well, we were sitting here <laughs> one night and our ring doorbell went off and we couldn't figure out why. We picked the doorbell up with screen and this smoky figure come out of the side of the house and stopped right in front of the ring camera. And it looked like what it would have been his head turned and looked at the camera. Then it turned back and it walked straight all the way down the porch and, and off into the beyond down there. And we haven't seen it since. I wonder if that was its time that it was crossing into the light and you just saw it intermit intermittently as it was walking through. It could have been, it really could have, but we've, we've, we, I, I lived in, a, I went to a haunted high school. I lived in a haunted house and <laughs> The, 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 the ghost in that house was cool because it had been a family that died there of tuberculosis. I actually researched it and all one we ever seen was the, was the daughter. She was 16, 17 years old when she died back in the 1800s. And there was a little boy about 10 and there was a mom and dad never seen the mom and dad. I, you know, I would see like a fallway shadow or something. I figured that was probably them. But the little boy would actually come up and stick his head in the window and watch you. Then when you turned, he would disappear. And you go out outside and there's no kids around. <laughs> well, the, the daughter had decided that she liked my kids. And she would watch over my kids. I was laying in bed. My daughter started crying. So I get up. I walk into my daughter's room and find out what's wrong with her. You know, she may be, she's a little baby. Not here. And you can see the blanket like somebody's patting the blanket. You can hear. And my daughter quit crying. I said, okay, you got it. And I went back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's one of those weird things about the paranormal is that it's like everybody instantly wants to be afraid of it because it's a matter of fear over something that you don't understand. But I've talked about it a few times on the show that it's not necessarily always like that. Like, you know, somebody will get like a tap on the shoulder, for example, and they'll be horrified of it. But realistically, it could be your grandma trying to comfort you the best way that she knows she knows how. Same with a lot of these like kid experiences. Everybody gets freaked out by apparitions of kids like rolling balls at them and stuff. But realistically, a kid rolling a ball at you is just a kid trying to play. But it's just a matter of you don't understand what you're experiencing. So you instantly feel fear from it, even though it could be something as minuscule as, again, just a kid trying to play ball with you. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. At least that, that's what have, my experiences have been. Now, I haven't really had anything bad. We Only bad one we ever had, I went to a buddy's house, and he lived in a house that was way over 100 years old. We went. He had a weird feeling down in the basement, so he wanted me to walk down into the basement with him. And he had about a 150-pound Rottweiler. She was huge. We walked down in the basement, and they had jail cell like things built into the rock foundation with cage doors on them. And this used to be a, apparently it was a, I don't know what it was, slave owner's home or something. It was something really bad. I'll put it to you that way. And we were standing there and all of a sudden we, we heard something weird. We looked down, the dog is crying and backed up into a corner. 150 pound rock water it wants to eat everything. This thing's backed in the corner. We got to look, and, and in one of those little cells, there was a black shadow in it. 
And this thing come out of the jail cell thing and went around the side of the room, started up the wall. Well, we went up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> we went upstairs and the dog started freaking out again. And this thing come up through uh, through the stairs and on the wall and went up back across the wall of the living room to it got to the window where the light was that stopped. Then it went straight up on the ceiling. Just like that. And you just had it almost felt like it had gray eyes. It was looking at you. And it was just it was it was bad. I left. Did you get the feeling more that it was like an apparition or it may have been like a shadow person? It felt evil. It really did. It, and it it just I'm I'm assuming it was a shadow person because it fit the description of a shadow person. Because it almost like like I said, it almost like it had gray eyes as it moved through. And it was like, no, I'm done. Y'all can have the house. I'll be at my house for <laughs> my good ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just out of curiosity, since you did bring up shadow people a little bit ago, um, one, if you have any shadow people experiences, I would absolutely love to hear them. And two, everybody has different ideas on what they believe shadow people could be. Um, but I'd love to kind of hear what you possibly think shadow people could be. I think they're, I think they're a, um, For lack of a better word, a representation of an evil creature. I, I think that's shadow people are probably people who are really bad, and instead of going to ghosts, they went to being they went through something that made them into shadows, because most ghosts and stuff are like you know they're clear, translucent, they're foggy looking. You know, something like that. And even when they're full apparitions, they still have a foggy look, and you can still see through them. The shadow people, you can't. Wherever they go, they block out anything behind them. At least the one, the one that I seen. And, and like I said, they always have. From what I've been, I've been researching what I saw about them. Everyone that's seen those all said the same thing about their eyes. They all had a weird looking, either gray, black, uh, darker black eyes than the shadow, or they had red eyes. I've actually seen one with green eyes, and I haven't heard anybody else really, really? talk about a green eyed shadow person before. I've never heard that before either. That, that's pretty amazing. You have a unique one. <laughs> I used to watch me when I was a kid when I used to astro project, and then when I had uh, sleep paralysis after, it would sit in the corner and watch. Ooh. Yeah. I never got like an evil feeling from it though. It seemed like it just observed. That's probably the best way to describe it. Well, that may not all be the same. I mean, there, there's no such thing as an expert in the paranormal. There's no such thing as an expert on UFOs and there ain't no such thing as an expert on any kind of cryptid creature. <laughs> Anybody that tells you they're an expert, they're full of crap. Run the other direction. <laughs> we make they theories, made, not statements. <laughs> right. They may have studied it for longer, but they ain't an expert. <laughs> an expert is someone who has exclusive and full knowledge of what they're talking about. Ain't nobody got them, them subjects covered because nobody knows enough about them. <laughs> See, I mean, at least for me, my kind of theory on shadow people is that I've kind of wondered if there's something that exists within like a void dimension. That That's always been kind of my view on it. And then the other idea that I've kind of been throwing around is the idea that maybe there's something that exists in a light spectrum that we're not able to see. So rather than us like just not interpreting them at all, 
we just interpret them as all black because we can't see the colors that they're existing in. And I've even heard stories of sh- of people that experience shadow people slash apparitions where two people are standing next to each other looking at the same thing. One person's seeing a, a white apparition, the other one's seeing all black. So I kind of wonder if it's like different people that, ha- that see colors differently, if they are able to interpret them differently. And maybe it's something that exists fully out of our spectrum and some people's heads will fill it in with white where other people's heads were filled in with black. Just, there seems like there's such a toss up behind it that there's definitely the possibility that there's a, 10 different things, for example, that we're all perceiving as shadow people. Um, but it just depends on who you ask, kind of bases like the theory on the experience and what they think these things could potentially be trying to do within our reality. I could agree with that. I think that's a fantastic theory. And it has tons of science behind it. You're, you're, I think you're exactly, you could be exactly right. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Everybody sees things differently. I mean, you, you even dig into the whole like Egyptian idea behind it. And they talk about how when you leave, like your shadow stays. So there's like two different versions of you. And that would kind of make sense, at least with the evil feeling of it. Because if you kind of believe in the idea that there might only be one afterlife, not necessarily like a heaven and a hell, but just a one afterlife, maybe like the good part of your consciousness goes into the light where the bad part of you stays here in the shadows. And that could be why people perceive these shadow people as evil is because it's the evil components of somebody's consciousness that get left behind so that the good parts can pass on and go into the afterlife. Well, that's an interesting theory too. I like that. Boy, you just got you just got a wide range there you can see it. I like that. You're doing good. See all these books, man? That's all I do, man. I research and read. <laughs> I got a few. I, I got a few. <laughs> you know, I'm, one of these days I'm going to have to sit down and pick one thing to start studying instead of trying to study everything. <laughs> see, that's my hard part, too, is it's like it's hard to pick one specific thing because each day you're like, ooh, this is interesting. Ooh, this is interesting. Ooh, this is interesting. So you just kind of continue the research on one specific thing, depending on the day and what your mood is. But there's so many different varieties to pick from. It's like we were talking about before the show. Jack of all trades, master of none, but it's better to be... ah, It's better to be a master of many than... or It's better to be good at many than a master of one or however that goes. But I'd rather have a full range of all these different things that connect dots than be a specific master in just one of them. Because then it's like you can start connecting the dots between things and you start realizing that a lot of this research actually interconnects with each other. Oh, yeah, big time. That's like when you start studying giants. If you start studying giants, you all go back to the history of North America, then it's going to lead you in. It led me into Bigfoot. That's what I was going to say. It leads you into Sasquatch. It leads you into Nephilims. There's a hundred different paths you can go down with giants. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy when you, especially when you look at, you know, the Lovelock Caves in Nevada. They find this sandal that belonged to a giant, and a Bigfoot cast and fit in it perfectly. You know, <laughs> you gotta gotta wonder. And they claim too that there's certain. I, I don't know. I've never actually seen one myself, and I've only heard stories of this. But supposedly, there are still families of natives that scalp these giants um, after they burn the surface of the cave. They found some of the bodies. This they're supposedly scalps that exist, and they're these giant scalps of like red hair. I've never seen one. I've never seen a picture of one. I don't know if they fully exist or if they're just legends, but it's still fascinating all the same that there may potentially be giant scalps out there to just show what that red hair color really is. And if the giant of Kandahar is true, there's another scalp somewhere out there with that too, because supposedly it got wrapped up in a bag and taken by a helicopter. So who knows where the hell that thing is now? 
<laughs> it's in the Smithsonian. It's in the basement. It's like the end of Indiana Jones. Oh, they yeah. have all the different boxes with the guy pushing it, pushing the gertie down. It's just it's in the basement somewhere, a mile under the surface of the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so, cool. Uh, I guess kind of starting to wrap it up and obviously we're definitely going to have to set something else up again uh, after the 7th when you uh, go and do that other Bigfoot hike because maybe we'll come back with another experience so we'll set something up for after that alright that sounds good but uh, I always like to wrap it up with uh, words of wisdom so if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners this time what might it be well my advice and it's just my advice if you are going to go Bigfoot hunting if you are going to go paranormal you are going to go chase UFOs don't do it alone. Take somebody with you and keep safety in mind. It's not worth finding Bigfoot and saying, oh, I got Bigfoot if you get killed. <laughs> it just kind of ruins the whole thing. So always have somebody with you. Always be safe and uh, take care of yourself. There's only one of you, and your family wants you here for a reason. Ain't that the truth? The hard number is you don't want too many people, but you don't want too few people. So it's like, exactly. it seems like paranormal investigation, squatching, seems like the key number is like between three to five. And if you get to be more than that, then you won't end up having any experiences. And if you have less than that, then you may have too much of an experience and nobody might hear from you again. <laughs> exactly. Or if you're out, say, Bigfoot hunting and you're by yourself, you're out in the middle of the mountains and you fall and twist your ankle, you're screwed. Or fall into a cavern that nobody even knows yeah. exists yet. Maybe you step on a wrong spot and everything caves in, and now you're stuck in a cavern. You can't get out. <laughs> or you get bit by a snake, uh, you know, poison spider. There's a million things that can happen to you. So, you know, don't go by yourself. And make sure you're not too much dead weight. That's why you said you got to have at least three. You got to have one guy to carry each arm. Then you should be good at that point. Or if you fall in a hole, you, you got two people that can pull you up because one may not be able to do it by themselves. So minimum, let's go with three. <laughs> there you go. I got you. I, I, I like that. And if you don't care, I'll go ahead and plug my book again. Oh, yeah. And let everybody know where they can come and find you on the Internet, too. Because, of course, if people have some stories to share internationally, then, of course, you're the guy to come to. You got to share them stories. Oh, yeah, and I've actually been doing an interview. I just did an interview yesterday with a guy from Germany. So, <laughs> But, guys, look at my stuff up. I'm on Amazon. You can go to my webpage, which is authorgeorgelunsford.x10host.com. It has you know links to everything. My books are Legends, Myths, Monsters, and Ghosts, the USA edition, and my new one, Monsters of the World. And you can find them on Amazon. And hopefully here pretty soon I'll have an audio book out. And check out my podcast. It's on Facebook. That's the only place we have it right now. If you go on Facebook and look up NCIS North Carolina Investigates Sasquatch, you'll find our podcast. And basically you're going to hear two hillbillies and a guy from Puerto Rico. <laughs> and now we got another hillbilly. So there's three hillbillies and a guy from Puerto Rico. But You'll check them out. The guys are great. I got we got uh, Robert, Eric, and uh, Harley, and then you got me, the old George. But man, I really do appreciate you having me on. I've had a ball. You're a great host, and you're a good friend. Well, I appreciate that. Same goes to you. You're an awesome guy to talk to. It's always really fun talking to you. We have a lot of fun. We laugh during ha having these conversations. And uh, we'll have to make sure we don't go as long next time before we end up reconnecting because this has been great, man. I hope not. 
I enjoy it very much. I do appreciate you. And to uh, all the listeners that want to come and check you out, of course, I will include all the links down in the show description to make it quick and easy for everybody. And highly recommend. You you guys got to support the uh, local authors and everything. Make sure you guys scoop a copy of his book. Go and check out his podcast. It's well worth it. Trust me. (laughs) If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify or whatever other podcatcher that you use. And uh, if you think there's anybody specifically that would really, really enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it with those people. And uh, of course, if you guys leave a five-star review, I will read on the show, give you guys a big shout out. And uh, if you guys just want to make a comment on an episode, don't be afraid to shoot me a message. I absolutely love getting those messages from you guys and interacting with you. But again, you guys got to break the ice because I don't know who you are, but you know who I am. So shoot me a message. Let's get something going. Let's become friends because I love all you guys out there and I appreciate you guys listening to the show. And if anybody wants to report an encounter, like I said in the beginning, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how weird, no matter how unweird. I don't know. I guess any kind of weird experience is definitely weird. But anyways, get a hold of me in some way, shape or form uh, because I'd love to talk to you guys about it, uh, investigate it, talk about it on the show. But we, we can figure that out as soon as you send me a message. Even if you guys want to keep it just between us, I would absolutely love hearing those experiences. And you guys can report that to OMM encounterreports at outlook.com or go to the link tree. And there is a specific submission form for that off of all of the different link trees that I have. And if you guys want to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can do so through inquiries of our reality podcast.outlook.com or across social media, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, whatever, whatever it is, just get a hold of me in some way, shape, or form. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form that's all the way at the top, not the report and encounter one, but the other one. There's two different ones, of course. And uh, like I said, just get a hold of me in some way, shape, or form because I'd love to talk to you guys. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available on the link tree, which is available down in that show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.